Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Well, good morning and welcome to Passion. We're so glad you're here. Aren't you glad you're in a warm place? Okay, just wanted to make sure some of y'all came in here all bundled up like it was going to be cold. Thank the Lord we got power back. Amen. So uh, we know some of you do not have power back and we are praying for you for sure. It's been an interesting week to say the least and uh, uh, it's 2020. What did you expect? I mean, come on. I was expecting worse. I could bring it. I mean, this is really, this is the best you got left. Okay, never mind. I, uh, all right. All right. Uh, somebody said I jinxed it. Okay. So whatever. So whatever. Hey, uh, I don't normally do this, but let me do this. Um, uh, <clears throat> The Bible says that we are to give honor to whom honor is due. It's a, I think it's a, one of the underlying principles of the kingdom. I, I believe that honor opens doors. It brings blessing, favor. I could talk a long time on that. But uh, October is Pastor Appreciation Month, and I want to give a big thank you to my pastors who happened to be here this morning because their grandchildren were on the platform, which were, I understand why you're here. I know it wasn't for me, but still, they have been, uh, Pastor Richard and Linda Goat have been my pastors for the last 17 years, and uh, we, we think that sounds like a long time. Either y'all are really young and, or never mind. Okay. And then also, uh, Dr. Doug and Susan Beecham are here and I worked for them for a while and it was some great days and they're so special to us. And so I give them honor today as well. Um, so we're going to wrap up cupology today. Uh, this has been an interesting series to me. I think it's important because most of us, uh, hopefully not you, but a lot of folks only do communion on Christmas and Easter. They don't even really understand what they're doing. It's just something that happens at the standard Christmas and Easter services. So they never really stop and think about what's taking place. And so we've been trying to dive in to understand that when Jesus stands up, uh, and we're going to read this passage in Luke chapter 22 this, at the end of our service, and we're going to take communion together. When he stands up during the Passover meal, he's literally hijacking the Passover meal that Jewish families still do to this day. He was in inserting, inserting himself and the information that we've shared into a ceremony that they were, they were and still are very familiar with. And we catch the picture of what they're doing at cup three. But we've been talking about the fact that this meal that they partake in called the Passover um, literally has five cups. And we're only dealing with four because the fifth cup is the cup of God's wrath and only Jesus could handle his wrath. And so we haven't even dealt with that. But we need to remember what's taking place here that uh, during the Passover, the children of Israel, the, the Israelites, the, those in Israel, even to this day, they still partake of a Passover lamb. Are you there? You got it? Got the picture? Because this is important to us because then Paul comes along in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7. He says, for Christ, our Passover lamb has also been sacrificed. He's inserting himself into this ceremony. And he's telling us that he embodies everything that they're celebrating. 
all the cups he represents, he fulfills, he brings to pass all the provisions wrapped up in those cups. And so we've been reading where it points back to it's Exodus chapter six, verses six and seven. They would read these four statements. Uh, God instituted this to remind them of what was about to take place in Exodus chapter six. The Exodus is about to begin out of bondage and he makes these promises to them. And each time they would make one of these statements, they would drink a cup to remind themselves. And they still do it to this day. This is what it says. Exodus chapter six, beginning in verse six. Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord and I will bring you out. That was the first cup. They would drink that cup from under the yoke of the Egyptians. Then the second cup, I will free you from being, being slaves to them. That was the second cup. Third cup, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. And now the fourth cup, and I want you to notice a little bit of difference here, and I'll mention it here in a moment. He says, I will take you as my own people. How many of you know you can't be people? Well, you're a person, but you can't be people by yourself. All right? It, okay, so just, just notice that. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. So as the Jewish families would recall these five promises, but we're going to deal with the four, we begin to talk about these covenant statements, and we said that cup number one is called the cup of salvation. How many of you are thankful that Jesus still saves, even to this day, that that provision, okay, I got five of you. I'm thankful that Jesus still washes away our sins and makes everything new, amen? We can't do it on our own. It's because of what Jesus did on the cross. Then they would say, um, the second one, I will free you, or the, this is the second cup called deliverance. We don't have to be uh, saved but not whole. How many of you know Jesus can save our soul, but he can also make us whole? I did, I'm a poet and I didn't know it, right? Uh, he, he can take all the stuff, the baggage, the bondage that we deal with and deliver us out of all of that. I'm thankful this morning that my there's more for me than just being saved in my soul. I can be whole. Oh, come on, y'all. I know y'all been cold all week, but warm up a little bit, all right? I'm thankful that he does that for us. Amen. That provision is found in Jesus. Then he said, I will redeem you. And we talked about the third cup is the cup of restoration. God can redeem our harvest. God can redeem everything that's lost. God can bring back all of, all of this stuff for us, our soul, our joy, our health, our peace. Anybody thankful for the restorative power of Jesus this morning? Amen. And then finally, we get to this fourth cup. And this is the cup of fulfillment. Now, listen, this is the correct spelling of fulfillment. But when I talk about fulfillment today, would you allow me to mess with words a little bit? And let's spell it F-U-L-L space, fulfillment. We're fulfilled, right? Because of what Jesus did on the cross and the provision that he's made, we can live a life fulfilled. All right, so let me tell you how we do this at Passion, and then we're going to make some, uh, some statements about this particular cup. I think it's important for you to understand that what we do around here, we do uh, intentionally. So let me just break this down for you. We said that the first cup is cup of salvation. The way we do that is by gathering in services like this and giving people opportunity to give their life to Jesus. That's why in unapologetically in every service, even if the sermon doesn't lend itself, you're going to hear a call for salvation. 
It's just part of it that, that, that we believe that, that this is necessary. This is ground level. This is entry floor. That's why we are so emphatic that we want you to get a mover's card and fill it out and join us as we pray for the harvest. Because listen, I know you want to have good church. I want my Holy Ghost goosebumps just as bad as you do. But I'm already saved. The key here is there are people that we bump into every day and that we have an encounter with on the weekends when we're together that don't know Jesus. That is our primary function as a body is to bring people, to reconcile people to Jesus. So we do that through our weekend services and our emphasis on movers. Then there's the cup of deliverance. How do we handle that? Well, this is a, a multi-layered approach. So let me just mention a few and then let me just kind of keep one wrapped up for you. So I'm not going to let the cat out of the bag yet because it's just not quite time. But we do this through small groups. As you spend time with other people who have made whole, you become more whole. Anybody experience that, that they make you better? Yeah, as you're around them. So we do that through small groups. We do that when it's a, a really severe situation. We, we lean on outside professionals that know what they're doing, Christian professionals that know what they're doing better than we do, right? And so we lean on them, and we will help you find people that can help you if we can't. We do that through Financial Peace University because how many of you know if your soul's delivered but your money's in bondage, it's still painful, so we, we offer that on a, on a rotating basis so that people can get free in their money. And then we've got another one coming that I can't tell you about yet. Just can't tell you about it yet. But it's coming. It's coming because there are people all around us that are in severe bondage and chains. And we have got to step up as a body and help them. And we're going to do that together. Then a cup of restoration uh, the cup of restoration, we again, small groups help us be restored. We do this through uh, things like school of, uh, school of leadership, things like that that help you get back everything the enemy stole from you to learn what it means to do all that. And so we're trying to help you become equipped because as you become equipped, then you become restored. And then finally today, we're talking about the cup of fulfillment. And I'll just let the cat out of the bag here and tell you that that is why we emphasize our dream team so much around here so that you serve. And we'll explain why here in just a moment. I want you to notice that regarding this fourth cup, that this particular cup is the only cup that isn't individual in nature. I already kind of let that out of the bag when I said I want you to notice that it says he will take us as his people. Uh, we need to understand that uh, it, it, it's this concept of a collective group. It's this idea that, in other words, you will never find fulfillment in isolation or if you are alone. Uh, he fulfills us in the body. Okay, some of y'all already looking at me crazy because y'all have been here long enough to know this sounds like a broken record. Because I have been hammering this for... 12 years, but let me hammer it one more time because we don't all have it yet. I remind you again of the promise in John chapter 10, which says, we know what it says about the enemy, but we get so caught up in what the job description of the enemy is, is we forget the promise on the back end of it, which says this, Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and life more abundant. In other words, a life that is fulfilled, literally fulfilled. In fact, when you think about the, this concept of being fulfilled, can I just submit to you that, uh, I'm just kind of letting some trade secrets out here. Can I just submit to you this morning that that's why we named our church Passion Church? 
because of the promise that Jesus made that we could have life, life more abundantly. I don't know what that sounds like to you, but that sounds like a passionate life. Can I submit to you this morning that you can't even be fulfilled. You will never experience a fulfilled life if you don't experience the passion of Jesus's love and what he has for you. You can walk through life, you can survive life, but you will never truly experience fulfilled life unless you are passion filled. Okay, so I just need to let that, so Jesus came to give us a full life. So then my question then is this, why aren't we living a fulfilled life? It's not enough for you to tell me that we can. I want to know why I can't seem to pull it off. Why, if this is the provision, if this fourth cup is that Jesus is saying to me, I will fulfill you, then why is it that I can't seem to quite get there? So let me help you. I think there are three reasons. Three reasons, three things that are going on in most of us that keep us from being able to drink from this fourth cup. And we're going to deal with them so that we get them out of the way so that we can experience everything Jesus has for us. Is that all right? Deal? All right, pinky swear? All right, cross your heart open? Okay. Um, the first one is this, our past. The reason that a lot of us never experience the fullness of life that Jesus promised us is because too many of us allow our past to overwhelm us and then cripple us. We, uh, even though we've drunk from the first cup, which is salvation, and even though the promise is, is that when I drink from this cup of salvation, that everything that was old is passed away, and now everything is new, we recognize that Jesus understands that, but a lot of us don't. We, we, we struggle with what we've done. We struggle with who we were to the point that we can't allow Jesus to, to work in us so that we become who he says we can become. Now, that sounds like an, a, 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 a bad situation. It is, but it's not a new situation. Even David struggled with this. Uh, you, know what, you know what the Bible says about David? The Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. That's what I hope people say about me when I'm dead and gone. Anybody else? I want to be, other than the ladies, y'all want to be a woman after God's own heart. I get it. Okay. But, but don't you want to be a, a, somebody, a, a person after God's heart? That, man, I hope they describe me like that. That's how we describe David. The only issue was, is that David had issues. His story is messy. Really messy. Like, um, uh, talk show worthy messy. Like he would have been a regular on Dr. Phil. He would have been a regular on Mari. He would have been a regular on the crazy ones. He had a messed up life. And he struggled with that. I want you to listen to what he says in Psalm chapter 38 verses 4 and 6. Listen, see if this maybe sounds like how you talk to God sometimes. He says, my guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. Then he goes on and he says, I am bowed down and I am brought low. You know what he's doing? He's struggling with his past. He's struggling with the fact that he'd committed adultery. He's struggling with the fact that, that he had committed murder in essence because he sent the, the lady's husband out to be killed on the front line because he was king and could pull it off. He'd covered up his mess, right? Tried to. And now he's struggling with his past 
That sounds like us. But David came to this conclusion that we must come to because if we are ever going to experience the fulfilled life that Jesus provides for us, then we must also come to this understanding that David came to when he says in Psalm chapter 103, verse 12, he says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. I couldn't get any help. And that is the promise, the provision of a fulfilled life right there that God loves us so much and Jesus loves us so much that when we bow our knee to Jesus, he takes everything that we've done in our past as bad as it may be, as unspeakable and as painful as it may be, and he removes it as far as the east is from the west. Can't even remember it. And so... What I'm saying to you is the issue is not whether Jesus has forgiven you. The issue is, have you forgiven you? You will never experience the fulfillment that Jesus has for you until you have this come to Jesus moment where you recognize that not only Jesus forgave you, you have to forgive yourself we got to get past our past. The second one is, the, one of the, the second reasons that we struggle to be fulfilled is our culture. See, too many of us can't be fulfilled because we allow our culture to define us rather than allowing our Christ to define us. So Paul gives this, uh, asks a singular question for us in this little exchange right here. If we are going to be fulfilled, then we must answer the question that he asks in Galatians chapter 1 verse 10. If you don't answer this question correctly, then you can never drink from the fourth cup. Because if you don't answer this question correctly, then it means you're trying to find your fulfillment in everything other than Jesus. And so Paul says it like that. He asks us, he says, am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God? Or am I trying to please man? Then he says this. He says, if I were trying, still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. So what, there's this battle going on in us that we've got to win. That we don't place our definition, what defines us cannot be determined by our culture. Cannot happen. You cannot be fulfilled if your your definite what defines you is mandated by this culture. Our defining moment is when we bow our knee to Jesus and we find our identity in Him. What He says. See, here's what happens. I just need you to understand how this works. Our culture offers us counterfeits. Our culture tries to tell us that if you have the right career, if you have the right relationship, if you have the right uh, house, if you have the right car, if you have the right clothes, if you get enough applause, then you will be fulfilled. That everything you need will be found in that stuff and then you will be fulfilled. There's only one problem. What happens when you lose that stuff? Okay, so, so... I just wonder maybe how many of you have experienced what I've experienced, maybe not this week because you didn't have electricity to do this, but when you're normally watching your TV at night, have you been watching as people that seem to have everything that the culture says that you need? Like, you can put your house inside their house. Like, 
they got more cars than you can imagine. They've got popularity. They're on the magazines. They're on the TV shows. And yet it seems like people like that, that have it all, they got it all. They got the world by the tail. They got it. Have, you, have, you, have any of you noticed lately that they seem to keep popping up into your newscasts doing like really bad stuff? I wonder if that's because all the stuff didn't fulfill them. And they're still looking for what cannot be found in what our culture says brings fulfillment. Uh, our fulfillment can only come as we find our identity in Christ. I think that's why Paul says in his epistles, and he encourages us three ways. He says, be in Christ. He says, be in him or be in the Lord 160 times. 160 different times he's saying to us, be in Christ. Be in the Lord. Be in him. What's he literally saying? He says, until you find your identity in Christ, you cannot be fulfilled. And then last, here's the third reason that many of us never experience the fulfillment that Jesus has for us. And I have to make up a word, I think. I don't know if, it's, if I made it up or not. I just know it gets underlined sometimes when I put it. Our aloneness. That's why. In fact, there's a passage of scripture. It's interesting to me. I'll come back to this, uh, uh, who this passage of scripture is um, given to, uh, who the author is supposed to be. Listen, Ecclesiastes. Now think about it. All right, Bible scholars, most of you know, all right, so I'm not keeping anything. We believe most, most of the Ecclesiastes, if not all, was written by Solomon. Okay. That's the background. Listen to what he says. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 8. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil. Yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. Wait just a second. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content. In other words, he was not fulfilled in spite of his health, wealth. The, 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 this man was, I, just, I read it to you. Apparently, he's experiencing some level of, its, of success, what we call success. He's got wealth, y'all. He got money in the bank. He got money to spare. He can tip nice. He's, he's living in the gated community. Like he's got it. I mean, he, he's, he's got the nice clothes, the nice car. His car will back its way out of a parking lot when the, the rundown truck parks too close. He's, he's living it up. And yet it says he was all alone. This passage written by the wealthiest man on the planet. That was the first thing about Solomon you need to know. The second thing you need to know is that Solomon had access to more relationships than anybody. At least surface level relationships. And yet he tells us this, this man was alone because he had no son and no brother. 
No intimate relationships. And he says this produces no end to his toil. One of the biggest lies that the enemy submits to us and continues to use against us. and In fact, I think it may be his secret weapon. I think it's his secret sauce. I think, I think it's, it's, it's the thing that knocks most of us out of being fulfilled is that he continues to, especially in this season, try to convince us that we don't need anyone. I don't need nobody. All I need is me and Jesus. The only issue is that Jesus set it up so that you would need people that are Jesus with skin on. And yet we continue to live alone. And the problem with this is that you cannot be fulfilled alone. So the Jewish families would take part in Passover and they would get to this cup, cup number four. And one of the ways they describe this cup is they also call this the cup of praise. That's the translation of the word Hallel, where we get, come on y'all, Hallelujah. Right? It's, you say, well, what does it, we, we use hallelujah in worship and in praise, and we don't even really understand what it means. In the Jewish family, the word hallel carries with it this concept of I'm living life large. I'm living life large. Hang on, I'm, 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 I'm coming for you right now. I'm, I'm about to come get you right now because I don't know about y'all, but I want to live life large. Right? I want to live life large. I want to, I want to, okay, so I, they're literally saying we're drinking the cup of fulfillment. I'm going to live life large. And then, so once again, as I have preached what seems like a million times over, can I tell you that fulfillment only comes, the only way you can live life large is when you live life connected in a body. You say, well, how, how? You can't prove. Oh, hang on. I told you I was coming for you. Psalm chapter 68, verses 5 and 6. God makes this promise. Okay, cup of praise, right? Cup of praise. Here it is. Listen to what it says. Psalm 68, verse 5 and 6. Sing to God. Sing in praise of his name. All right, that's what they're doing. Extol him uh, who rides on the clouds. Rejoice before him. His name is the Lord. So, so in Psalm chapter 68, David is encouraging us to what? To Hallel. Praise God, right? This is a cup of praise. We're, we're praising God, right? He's worthy of our praise. We extol him. Why? Why should we praise him? Why should we extol him? Why should we lift him up? And then he tells us. Why did we do it? He's a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows. He is God in his holy dwelling. Listen, God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing, but the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. He sets the lonely in families. That's why we praise him. That's why we lift him up. That's why we extol his, extol his name. Because he has this ability to take people that are disconnected, that don't have anybody, widows, prisoners, those that feel lonely. And he establishes a body, a family, and he places us in the family. And when we get here, we are fulfilled so that I can say to you that when we fight connection, we fight Completion.
I know how some of y'all are. Before we say the last amen today, you will slip out. Because you don't want to talk to nobody. And when the, ring, when the phone rings, you've got us all pegged out on your caller ID. That silly church family, I just, don't, I just want to worship with them. I don't really want to do anything else. I, I'm not going to take that call. I'm going to block them on Facebook. I'm not going to have any exchange with them. And when we fight connection, we fight completion. When we fight connection, we fight fulfillment. I, I will say it again for those of you that weren't here in January. We must graduate from me to we. Uh, Solomon weighs in again and he says this in Ecclesiastes chapter 4 the very next statement after he says that there's a man who has wealth and has no end to his toil because he has no brother no son the very next verse of scripture you know it because we read it at marriages but we've missed the point he says this he says two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor connected Fulfillment comes in connection. The, the fourth cup requires us, listen, the fourth cup requires us to be apart, to be apart. He takes us as his people. That requires more than attendance. I, I, can, I, can I help you uh, trade secrets again? Pastor Richard, back me up. Preachers are good about being concerned about counting attendance. Can I tell you what happens? We count nickels and noses. We can't help it. But that is not the def definition of connected. It's not that we're bad. I mean, there is a Bible in a book called Numbers. It's not like, you know, okay, but, 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 your attendance does not mean that you're connected. You will not find fulfillment in your life until your, your life intersects with the lives of the people with whom you worship. This only happens intentionally. Can I tell you this morning that, that this only happens when you serve? Can I, can I let your secret out of the bag right now? I've let, I've let some of my secrets out of the bag. Can I let your secret out of the bag? You can come and worship and not really be connected. You can hide while you sing. You just can't hide when you serve. You can suffer in silence in a worship service and nobody will ever know. But you cannot suffer in silence when you serve along people, alongside of people because then you become exposed and we get to really know you and we know what you're going through and suddenly fulfillment comes and I need to hurry but I just need you to understand that you cannot hide when you're a part of a team. The fourth cup requires a connected life which then produces a fulfilled life. I need to tell you this morning that if you are intentional about this what you will discover is that when you find people, you will find place. And when you find place, suddenly you find purpose, fulfillment. That is the way this works. So, so I need to tell you that all the other cups make this cup possible. The reason that God has the ability to place you in the family is because you've been saved, you've been delivered, you've been restored. And then he places you in a family like this and all of a sudden the gifts that are inside of you, the purpose that is inside of you, the fulfillment that is down inside of you fulfills itself for all of us to see. Uh, I'll stop here. Behavioral psychologists 
um, for years taught that the high, they, they tried to rank all the things that we need, levels of living. They came up with seven. The seventh level of living was self-actualization. That's a fancy term to mean you figure out why you're here, right? They taught for decades that that was the ultimate level of living. You will become self-actualized. You'll finally figure out why you were born. And then suddenly they recognized they'd forgotten one level. So they added an eighth. And this level they call this transcendent needs. You know what that means? It's a fancy way. Only a psychologist would come up and say it like that instead of say it in English. You need to live beyond yourself. Legacy. Connectedness. They recognize that even if you figure out why you're on the planet, if you're not connected to other people, you will never fulfill your eighth and highest level of living, which is living beyond yourself. God knew that before we figured it out. Imagine that. And he knew that we would need each other. So the question is not, are you attending? The qu- the attending, the question is this, are you attached? The question is, are you plugged in? Are you fulfilled by living beyond yourself? You will lose your way if you lose your why. I'm gonna say that again. You will lose your way if you lose your why. Can I tell you this morning that this is the why? You are saved, you are delivered, you are restored so that you can be fulfilled by living inside a family. And I'm not talking about people with the same last name. Because some of our families, come on now, some of y'all families, you ain't finding no fulfillment there. All you find in there is chaos. But when God places us in a family, we're fulfilled. So I want you to do this. I want you to get the little cup. And I want you to listen carefully to what I'm about to read to you. Listen, listen, don't listen like you do at Christmas and Easter. I'm just doing this cause. Listen to what Jesus says as he's doing this. And then we're going to take it together. The time came for them to eat the Passover meal. There it is right there. You mean Stevie didn't make all this up? No, it's right there. Right there in scripture. It was time for the Passover meal. And Jesus said to them, I wanted very much to eat this Passover meal with you before I, di- before I die. I will never eat another Passover meal until it's given its full meaning in God's kingdom. Welcome to the full meaning. Then Jesus took a cup of wine, third cup, and he gave thanks to God for it and said, take this cup and give it to everyone here. I will never drink wine again until God's kingdom comes. Then he took some bread and thanked God for it. He broke off some pieces, gave, it, gave them to the apostles and said, this bread is my body that I am giving for you. Hang on, stop right here. Listen very carefully. Eat this and remember me. Hold on just a second. Remember, put the body back together. You say, well, you're just playing with words. Okay, I always play with words. So give me some grace. I just think Jesus knew what he was doing. 
I think Jesus recognized that when we drink from this covenant, when we drink from the cup, that in that moment we remember when we gather like this on a Sunday, when we serve through the week, when we go out and do whatever we do in outreach ministries, when we work in the children, when we work in the sound, when we work as an usher, when we work as a parking lot attendant, why are we doing it? Because as we're doing it, we remember, we remember the body and we find fulfillment. Do this to remember me. In the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup of wine and he said, this, is, this wine represents the new agreement from God to his people. It will begin when my blood is poured out for you. Would you take your little cup and pull the top layer? just like Jesus did on the night that he was betrayed, would you take this bread and remember, would you, would you bring back to your recollection, but would you also understand that he's trying to put his body back together through us? And would you take this bread and would you eat it in remembrance of what he did when he gave his body to be broken for our healing? And then would you take the cup Would you remember that when Jesus died on the cross and he shed his blood, that he did it for us? Why? So that we could drink all the way to the fourth cup. So that it doesn't just stop with salvation. It moves right into deliverance, into restoration, and into fulfillment. That's why he came. That's why he died. That's why he took the nails in his hands and his feet. That's why he allowed that to happen for us. And we remember what he's done. Would you take the cup? And now, would you, out of praise, a, a cup of praise, would you just begin to worship him for placing you in a family this morning? Come on, would you just stand to your feet real quick as we worship together, as we close this series out, thinking about what he's done? It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.